0: M&K Talk YA now presents Smoke in the Sun Part 1 by Renee Adia.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of M&K
0: Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And this is our podcast where we talk about young adult fiction. And this week we're talking about Smoke in the Sun by Renee Adia. And we read up to the chapter titled More Than Love. Which seems pretty appropriate given what's going on in the story. Yeah. So we learned
1: a lot about some of the relationships that are happening right now, mostly between Mariko and Okami, who I guess now we have to start calling by his real
0: name. <laughs> no, let's keep calling him Okami because there's already okay. too many names here for me to keep track of. And I feel like we know him well enough to go by his chosen okay. name, right? Or something? Yeah. I feel like we're on, we're on those kind of terms with him. <laughs> we're close enough. <laughs> I feel like he'd appreciate we can call him that. call Yeah. He'd prefer that, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because as much as we're seeing these relationships develop, one of my favorite things is seeing not just Mariko, but probably most importantly with her, how her own like relationship with self is growing and changing and how she's kind of figuring out, you know, what she wants, what she stands for, Mm -hmm. you know, in this, not to skip to the end, like I always do, but I'm going to skip to the (laughs) end, like I always do. Um, Her conversation with Yumi in this last chapter that we read, um, where she's really kind of putting this sense of duty or sense of, you know, I can do more for the world above her love and above her relationship and above all the stuff that the first 16 years of her life were about. And kind of Yumi is doing the same thing, trying to prove herself Mm -hmm. and all that. So I've really enjoyed that piece of it.
1: I liked seeing Mariko and Yumi together too because I think they're very similar in a lot of ways. And I think they're a great team and I like that they're teaming up. I also like that along the lines of what you said, Mariko or Yumi asks Mariko why she's doing this, and she replies that she doesn't want to be the type of person who uses others for her own gain. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, like, a pretty big growth for her because we, we get a couple moments. Um, one, when she's at the Emperor's palace and she is starting to pay more attention to the servants and, like, notices that one of them has a neck injury and, like, is having a difficult time walking. And she also remembers that time, which we didn't talk about last week, when she decided she wanted to take control of her own destiny and her own body. And she um, seduces that peasant boy Mm -hmm. and is able to control how and when she um, loses her virginity for the first time. But then she remembers that like, she has this moment where she's um, reflecting on it and she was like, I didn't even take into consideration the boy and the danger he might be in if if someone had found them together. Like she was just concerned about her own reputation and like doing what she wanted, but she didn't consider that if they had been found together, he would have been killed. Yeah. And so I like that she's now kind of taking these experiences and trying to be a better person and like consider other people more and not be the type of person who just takes whatever she wants without thinking of others.
0: And I think it's a very real growth too, kind of to your point when she she didn't notice the servant girl's neck immediately you know it's still Mm -hmm. she's still coming into this being aware of others and um I love that realization because I've had it too where you're like everyone that you interact with has like a whole full life but you know thinking about how like the servants are like maybe lower in like the story of history for a group of people or something in some ways but Mm -hmm. in their own life they're the main character their wants and desires are the center and like that's that's so true for, for everyone, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you're your own hero, villain, everything. So, um, and another yeah. thing I loved, so I was thinking about, cause Yumi and Mariko's conversation, it's actually one of the few times we see any women interact in this story so far. Mm-hmm. Um, because even, <laughs> even having like the Empress and the Mistress Lady, I forget her name right now, uh-huh. as characters on the bad side, like we are seeing women of different, you know, good, like, I think there's multi mentions to a lot of these women, but um, sure. we hadn't really seen very many of them interact besides maybe that one scene where she's with the Empress also. Yeah, so I just, I thought it was... So it meets the Bechdel challenge, is what you're saying? Yeah, and they didn't talk about <laughs> Okami the whole time, so... I know.
1: <laughs> and they're both named. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh, well, it is nice to see that there are more women interacting together, but the scene that you brought up with her and the Empress, I was just remembering how... Awful that was like that scene where she brings out that poor girl who was accused of like making eyes at a boy beneath her station and she was engaged to another, and they all just shamed her and then threw eggs at her I know. to like punish her.
0: That was just, and we're given the impression that she probably didn't even do that in the first place but couldn't do anything to defend herself because she had been accused by her peer, multiple of her peers, yeah. or whatever.
1: Yeah. And it was so disgusting how the empress was like, well, I'm saving you from a public humiliation by just punishing you privately. Like, if I told the emperor your entire reputation would be ruined. But it's like, just don't do anything. Like, take care of her. Protect her. You don't have to punish her for something so stupid. And especially
0: because she, like, openly admitted, like, men can get away with these things. But, like, she was kind of, like, proud of the fact that she, like, it it was like, no, you're, you're, like, doing, maybe you're not 100% as bad as... The emperor if he had found out but you're like 98% bad so it's still bad (laughs) or you know like I don't know
1: yeah and it was just so interesting seeing how she's trying to test Mariko's um, loyalty to her and just she's just feeling out how much she can control her which is terrifying
0: but that's what everyone in this book is doing I feel like Mm -hmm. even Mark like everyone's trying to test and control the situation and manipulate each other and it's really interesting and it's also kind of I like that the story keeps changing perspective a lot because I think that's how it needs to be told, but it's like kind of jarring. I keep like starting to figure out a character and then we jump to like a completely different scene and a completely different perspective. (laughs) And then we jump back and it's been like, I feel like more so than the last book in this duology, I'm like, wait, wait, what? Wait, what?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. And because we're learning, we're just learning like things about characters that are so big. Like, um... The thing with um, Okami and Ramuru, who somehow, like when their fathers were killed, they sold their made souls a deal with the to devil, the night basically. Creatures.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I was just like, cause I, and that was annoying because I was excited to hear more about the magic and like have it be integrated more into the plot in a way that made sense to me, but then they just kind of briefly mentioned that they sold their souls to like night creatures and now like they can only call on their powers when the moon touches their skin and they've made a vow not to have children which doesn't make any sense why would that why would that matter and it's just i don't it's it seems like an important part of the story but it's not explained very well it's very
0: clouded yeah
1: yeah and and, and maybe that's purposeful but right now it's just super confusing and it's like if this is an important part of the plot, it should be set up better. I think not just like casually mentioned, like oh yeah, we just sold our futures to the demons of the forest.
0: Yeah, I almost wish it wasn't mentioned. It was just like completely mysterious until we know, or that we just knew. Because like I mm-hmm. agree, some of these hints are almost like more confusing and frustrating. And I'm very curious about the Empress's magic and how and what's happening with this plague. If that's her stuff, like there's there's oh, still oh, you mean um the mistress? Or sorry, the mistress. Yeah, yeah, Canico. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, because yeah, it seems like. I I still really don't know what she's all about, because I feel like she's the fox, right? I think so. That's what I thought. Okay. And now she's, um, there's this plague that are, that's attacking the Yoshida clan and the Sagiura clan and the, um, Yokokoa clan, and they're all the, um, they're all the clans that are loyal to the emperor, and so I feel like the mistress, Kanako is... Purposely spreading this magic around to target the clans that are loyal to the emperor so she can bring down Roku and install Raiden on the throne. That's my guess as to what's going on right now. Yeah, but
0: I'm even confused about how much she's been in control of because it was the empress who actually poisoned the emperor. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We still don't know who originally tried to kill Mariko, and frame the right. black client. Like I'm kind of confused if she's like in <laughs> control and is manipulating everyone else or if she doesn't know half of this stuff or if she isn't in control but is still aware. Like I, you know, I'm kind of confused about how much power she really has.
1: Yeah, but I feel like she I feel like she knows more than we think because remember she was she was working in the last book, the end of the last book she was working with the um leader of of Mariko's entourage at the beginning, that samurai.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I'm thinking she knows why, she knows who attacked the entourage, and she, I think she's behind it.
0: I think so too. And I also think, because we've seen like creatures around at all, like these pivotal moments, like I feel like she knows everything, but I can't tell how much is her just like gathering information or how much mm-hmm. is she manipulated it in the first place.
1: Right. Because she also has, doesn't she have the power to like, this is really briefly mentioned and should have been explored further but she has the power to take people's memories yeah because isn't that how she was able to
0: find out about Yumi because she was she took yeah when she attacked or whatever she did to yeah yeah that part was really confusing to me too and And
1: Amaya she was able to find out about Amaya through Kenshin
0: and if she's like
1: finding people's weaknesses by combing through their memories it seems but I don't know how she's doing that
0: (laughs) And it kind of reminds me of that last book we read where you could like change, exchange someone's memories with your own or whatever, mm-hmm. and how that ultimately causes its own problems. But but yeah, no, I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions.
1: Yeah, me too. I feel like, though, what's going to happen is that it seems like Kaneko is really counting on the fact that whatever her plan is, her son will go along with it. And I'm not sure if that's the case, because we learned that Raiden and Roku are are legitimately friends now even though their mothers tried to make them enemies yeah but you kind of see like the seeds of discord being planted between them when uh, over okami because it seems like raiden wants to use okami for one purpose and roku wants to use him for another purpose and then the kanako is somehow in there and so is the empress and so i'm just i'm wondering if like this is gonna be what tears the brothers apart and
0: i'm just curious who raiden's gonna side with if he's gonna side with his brother or his mother Or how Mariko plays into this, if she really is able to manipulate him and create any kind of relationship or, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of, and I'm also curious about Kenshin. And then obviously he's going through a hard time Mm -hmm. after what happened with the fire and everything, but he also, like, he seems distrustful of his sister, but he also warned Mm her. And in his warning, you get the sense that he's, aware that these people are manipulative and all this stuff so you like I'm curious what his game plan is or his his end goal and how he fits into the rest of the story and motives and everything
1: that's a good question because right now he's just drinking at the tea house
0: yeah right now he's just suffering basically (laughs) yeah
1: that's a good question though I mean it seems like everyone is mistrustful of everyone which makes a lot of sense but like I do like that scene where Mariko meets Raiden for the first time and he just blatantly tells her like I I do not trust you. I do. And she's I like, like well, too. I don't trust you either. And then I'm just confused about how he really feels about her though, because at first I really disliked him because he has that conversation with Roku where he admits that he doesn't want to marry her anymore because, you know, she's quote unquote been sullied or whatever. And that, that really made me dislike him. But then during their meeting, he basically like gives her a way out of the marriage. Cause he's like, listen, if you don't want this, we don't have to. We do won't this. go through with yeah. it. And I couldn't tell if he was doing it legitimately because he cared about her feelings, or because he just really didn't want to marry her and wanted a way out. So I'm confused about yeah. his character,
0: and if he's like I'm confused about his character too. Even the fact that his mom seems so manipulative and smart and like aware of everything, and then he's kind of been painted as strong but dumb. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I I kind of wonder if there's more to him than that, or if he'll surprise who he'll surprise surprise. us yeah his hidden depths
1: maybe i'm not sure i mean
0: he's got to surprise either his brother or his mother or mariko or all three of them because everyone seems to think they've got him figured out and that's true they can't all be right do you think mariko's going to marry him though i kind of do
1: i know i know it's like she says something like if she marries him she'll have nothing she wants but everything she needs and it would like put her in a great position to you know, manipulate the Mm -hmm. entire empire and get what she wants. But, like, yikes, that's a huge price to pay. Yeah. And what about Okami? Like, is he going to sit back and let her
0: marry him? I don't know. I mean, he's still locked up in a cell with no access to moonlight, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm very – I yeah, I don't really know. It just – especially because it's happening so fast. Like, if it was happening in a month, I'd say, no, they'll figure out something. But if it really is happening in a week, uh, people need to get their – Rescue, plan, in order pretty quick if they're going to stop it.
1: Yeah, because I guess Mariko's now going to try and bring Okami to Yumi and, like, smuggle him out that way. But I don't know how she's going to do that. The trick with the key and the wax didn't
0: work, so... I I was pretty impressed with that trick, actually. Yeah, it was a
1: good idea. It's it's a shame it didn't work.
0: Yeah. And I I even love how Yumi, like, was distrustful of her at first, and then... You know, sort of realized she was distrustful because she was jealous and that she didn't want to be like, mm-hmm. I love how I felt like that was a very real girl emotion, yeah, too. With like, oh, wait, I don't want to, she's not my enemy, even though we're the way society kind of makes a situation where women feel like they're against each other when they shouldn't have mm-hmm. to be
1: yeah. or competing. Because yeah. she has that moment too where she's very angry at her brother for not letting her join the black clan, and I think you're right, she resents Mariko because. She was initiated into them, and she's like, hey, I'm your sister, and I'm also equally as capable. Like, why why
0: have you not let me join? Not even equally as capable. As she said, she's better Probably at more knives so. and, you know, all this stuff. So. Yeah. But I'm glad that they're kind of forming some kind of friendship right now. Me too. That's, like, my favorite relationship at the moment, I think, is the two of you them. You mean Mariko? Yeah. yeah.
1: Although I do like – I also really like Mariko and Raiden because I like that she – you know, she's having a hard time adjusting to life as a girl again. And she's in this palace with like all these beautiful things. And she's realizing that, you know, she was used to using her, you know, fighting and using her muscles and, and using her physical power to best people when she was with the Black Clan, And now she's having to totally rely on her wits and, like, not using her strength to get by. And it's, like, a different kind of power that she now has to use. And mm-hmm. it's it's been kind of cool seeing how she's trying to get a better handle of that. Yeah,
0: that's true. And I'm really, I think my biggest, Roku is also really kind of a confusing villain. And mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see, to understand him more. Because he kind of reminds me right now of the Jackal, like, not quite as bad, maybe, but... Oh, from Red Rising? Yeah, but just, like, ah. sort of, like, in, kind of enjoying causing pain and mm-hmm. being really smart and manipulative. And I think cares really only about himself, even though he does have a friendship with his brother. He doesn't really seem to respect his brother. And it seems
1: like he thinks his brother's just dumb and
0: strong. Yeah, it seems like he thinks of him as a pawn. Mm-hmm. He needs his loyalty, but it's not, like, a mutual loyalty. I agree. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people and things happening. And I agree. I'm very confused about the magic stuff right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then they have like the thing with the Takeda blade, the sword, and now Raiden has it and he can't wield it because it's like the sword can only be wielded by a warrior possessing a pure heart. Also. And that's like a weird thing of magic that we haven't really learned about either.
0: Mariko's parents hello where Where are they they? i would think that i thought part of the reason was they wanted to like move up in court i would think that they'd be over at court taking advantage of this opportunity
1: well their granary did just burn down
0: that that's true
1: (laughs) (laughs) maybe they're Uh, taking care of business right now (laughs) i bet we'll see them a little bit
0: later Maybe. We'll see. There's not a lot of parents left. I'm also kind of curious about Okami's mother. We've now heard twice that she, like, disappeared at sea or whatever. I'm kind of curious if she really disappeared or if there's more to that also.
1: That's a good question. We don't really know much about her at all, really. Yeah. Ugh. I'm just – I'm really nervous for Okami because I feel like he's in a position where people are trying to use him for really bad things, and I just – I really hope Mariko gets him out soon. I hated that when they branded him with that loyalty spelled backwards. Yeah, Uh, and using the
0: acid just to make it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that sounded terrible. And then you think about these are like seventeen-year-old kids or whatever. That's that's true. I always forget how young they are. (laughs) Like how are like to your point again? How are they already like famous samurai and like causing this much trouble for an emperor?
1: (laughs) Well, I did some research on that actually. Oh, okay. I (laughs) read. I know we talked about Samurai. You talked about sam- <laughs> Samurai when we read Daughter of Smoke and Bone, uh-huh. which just makes me laugh because there were zero Samurai and Daughter of Smoke and Bone. It was just that one scene where Susanna wishes to become a Samurai
0: <laughs> or like they're considering it. I always go after really weird things. We know this. I make whatever connection I want.
1: <laughs> so I, I didn't want to you know, step on the toes of the research you already did. But I was doing just a little bit more research about samurai just to find some different facts about them. Mm -hmm. And basically I found all the ways that samurais, like, really kind of sucked. Okay, tell me more. And, like, weren't very honorable and, like, did some terrible stuff. So the one thing that you just mentioned, because we were – I was wondering about this in the first book, because Kenshin is 17 years old, and he's already this, like, celebrated samurai in his, like, leading battles. And I was just – confused because i didn't think you became a samurai that young uh-huh so okay or at uh-uh. least not a
0: good one that young i mean like
1: right so i was i was researching how you become I, I literally typed into google how do you become a samurai
0: Oh, and i'm so excited to see what your <laughs> google research told you
1: <laughs> they must think i'm just so obsessed with samurai it's all <laughs> i've been looking up this entire week <laughs> So they begin training. So if you're the son of a samurai, they begin training you ridiculously early. Usually at the age of three, they start training you with wooden swords. Wow. And sometimes if you're a daughter too, because you did some research and discovered that there were actually quite a few women samurai too, which is pretty cool. So at the age of three, you're training with a wooden sword. And then usually at the age of five, they're given a real weapon, like an actual sword, a small one, um, for self-defense. <laughs> this isn't funny, but it made me laugh a little bit because I'm a terrible person. But they said, bet- at the age of five to seven, a child of this age was expected to be able to protect himself from surrounding dangers, including family em- enemies, robbers, and vagrants.
0: <laughs> That's crazy.
1: I know, like a five-year-old would be expected to defend his family against like a home intruder,
0: and now we're like, it's normal to drop off your five-year-old at school and see them cry when you leave for oh, the first time. Cool. Like months. my, my yeah. cousin
1: is five, and she can't even tie her own shoes. Like it was just, I was just like, this is completely absurd.
0: And I'm, and I'm more than twenty-five, and I can't defend myself using a weapon oh my against God, my no family's way. enemies or anything.
1: So that was just ridiculous. That a child that young would be expected to like defend their family
0: or even like not hurt themselves
1: <laughs> yeah not like <laughs> cut themselves with this real sword that's not made of wood anymore
0: or also i feel like when you're five you know you can get hurt like your feelings can get hurt really or like little things like how would you you wouldn't have the self-control to know like when's an appropriate time to stab someone and when it's <laughs> oh my not God. inappropriate when do you should use your words It's so terrible
1: So, okay, so then at, like, 5 to 7, their father or another male relative would provide some early combat training, and then they were usually sent to the home of a relative or a fencing instructor or something like that to learn military tactics, um, archery riding, unarmed combat, and then they also were taught intellectual pursuits, so they were really well-educated and they were highly literate, and they also were very artistic, so they studied apart from combat they also studied calligraphy flower arranging and um they were they created ink paintings um they tended and and, um, curated rock gardens and they wrote poetry so they I can't do anything
0: I'm so useless I'm the useless girl not Mariko (laughs) don't say that that's not true you're really great at reading I'm really good at reading and that's about where it stops. And even with this reading, sometimes I'm like, What just happened? And you're like, Oh that's let <laughs> me tell you exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I liked that they did other things other than like combat. They were very artistic as well. And so okay, so generally speaking, the first battle for a young samurai was around fourteen or fifteen years old. But there were cases of samurai fighting even younger. Usugi Kenshin, his name's Kenshin, in 1543, (laughs) he fought during the Ishigo Civil War, and he was 13. Wow. And there was also a boy, um, Kikawa Motoharu, and he fought at the Battle of Koryama at the age of 11 in 1541.
0: Can you imagine being a mother and, like, sending your son to war at age 11?
1: there's no way I can imagine. I can't imagine sending my kids to school <laughs> at the age of, like, six. Yeah. Or, like, a summer camp. I know. But just, like, here's your lunch. Have fun at war, son.
0: <laughs> Hope to see you tonight. If, if not, yeah. die honorably. If, oh if you get captured, don't forget to kill yourself. Like, don't forget to commit seppuku. <laughs> wow. It's nuts.
1: 11 years old. So then, when I read that, I was like, okay, it makes sense then that Kenshin at 17 – could, could be, be yeah. a full fledged samurai. That's so that just was just one way that the samurai actually kind of sucks. The other ones were um, okay. So there was this practice in uh, Japan called temishiguri. I, I'm I hope I pronounced these right. There was ugh, there was like one thing in the last episode where I it was I think the female ritual suicide, and I pronounced it jumanji, which I don't <laughs> think is right. But this one actually translates to test cut. And it's the practice um, where samurai would – or, like, the people who created samurai swords would test the swords on sometimes cadavers or sometimes living criminals. Wow. So I guess the way to test a samurai sword back then, traditionally, was to make 16 cuts through a dead body hanging from a tree. Ooh. Yeah, and then they said sometimes it was actually tested on, like, a condemned criminal, and which is just – I mean, that's awful.
0: Yeah. but Especially knowing how the justice system in most yeah. of the places we've looked at was iffy at best.
1: Right. So they're basically, like, boasting about how great the quality of their swords are by, by torturing a human being. Mm. And so they said that once they tested the sword, basically, like, the test was then recorded on the handle of the sword. And so you see swords today that are – that say things like, five bodies – or it would signify the sharpness of the blade. Hmm. So it was like the results of the tests were um, recorded on the blade handle. So then if someone was buying a sword, they could be like, oh, this cut through three bodies. Like, And it was a way to prove how good of a sword it was.
0: How high quality a sword it mm-hmm. was. Well, I mean, I guess in some ways that makes sense. Like if you're buying a sword to cut through bodies, you'd want to know how good it was at doing that. How many bodies it could cut through. Yeah. The test is not great, but... No. I get why you would put that on the handle, I guess. Yeah, was, I mean, it's a selling point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Early advertisers. hmm So, okay, then there was this thing called sujigiri, which this was during the Sengoku period of Japanese history. And I guess there was this informal practice among the samurai where it translates to crossroad killings. Essentially, a samurai who purchased one of these n- new weapons that could cut through five bodies would then go around through the countryside and just test the new weapon out on basically the first person they found. Ugh! And so that's not honorable at all. I know exactly. And it was kind of like one of those things where people would just like look the other way and pretend it wasn't happening. And They said usually um, the swordsman slashed at an unsuspecting victim to try out his new katana, to practice a new move, to test his strength, or just for the sheer thrill of it.
0: Well, they better be careful because if it's a five-year-old, they're armed and ready to defend themselves. Oh my god. Um, And they
1: said there was even a superstition floating around that performing um, tsujigiri on 1,000 people would heal an illness. So it almost sounds like they were like terrorizing the countryside like trying to see how many innocent people they could kill
0: yeah wow
1: so i guess in in the 17th century when the Edo government came into power they made this practice um a capital offense good (laughs) oh yeah finally (laughs) yeah um oh this is also crazy so kiri suit gomen was a right that all samurai had that basically allowed them to immediately kill anyone of a lower class if they felt insulted.
0: Oh, good.
1: Yeah, so if a samurai felt that their honor had been compromised by someone of a lower class, they could immediately strike them. The only conditions were that um, it was meant to be, like, a defense move to reclaim your honor, so it had to be done immediately. Like, they couldn't be insulted, wait a few days, and come back and kill them. It had to be, like, on the spot. Yeah. And then the second... Um, condition was there had to be a witness but this is super shady because a samurai could use his own servant as a witness so basically he could just tell his servant like hey you didn't see anything that guy fell on his own accord and and no one could do anything about it
0: yeah wow I know and if you're a servant it's not like you can like you work for this guy so yeah,
1: yeah what are you gonna and do probably
0: your whole family does and yeah
1: yeah <sighs> Yeah, those were just some of the ways that samurai were not actually super honorable. Um, There are some more, but they're pretty dark and disturbing, so we won't go there.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad we kept with the light and uplifting parts of how they're dishonorable.
1: (laughs) I know, which were still (laughs) horrific.
0: Oh, man. Well, uh, most of the things we research make me glad that I live in the time and place that I
1: live in. (laughs) Oh, my God. I agree. What did you research? Anything
0: good? So, one of the things I thought was really interesting was the floors that we were reading about in this oh, castle. the
1: nightingale floors?
0: The nightingale floors is what they're called in English, and they were called Ugi or something like that in Japanese.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's sort of like their intruder alarm. And so, I was reading a little bit about how they work. So, basically, what we heard in the book is that they were sort of like creaky floors that every time you took a step on them, they would make a little, like, bird call sort Mm -hmm. of thing to alert you when someone was entering your house and so the translation is a bush warbler guard watch that's what the word (laughs) Japanese word means that's great Um, but it's basically just planks of wood that are placed on a supporting framework and they're secure enough that they don't move obviously because it's like a floor but they're still loose enough that they like will move a little bit when they're stepped on and it's set up so that these different clamps and the nails, the way that they rub when it pressures applied, creates sort of a chirping noise. So there's a lot of different uh, images that I'm probably explaining poorly. But basically, they were like the ninja alarm system in Japan back in the day. And you can still see them if you like go and visit some of the castles. The Nijo Castle is a well-known tourist destination for seeing how these floors work. But so that that was a real thing. I just thought that was kind of cool. I yeah. I thought that was an interesting defense mechanism and very different than what we've heard about in some of our other like medieval castle research.
1: Yeah. I actually um, was looking them up too because I was super curious about them and I found mm-hmm. a recording of what they sound like.
0: Oh, that's cool. Do you
1: want me to play it? Yeah. Okay. It sounds like little birds chirping.
0: Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's how they described it, too. Yeah, and it's so—it's just so interesting, too, because a lot of what I read had to do with also, like, even though we've been talking a lot about samurai, but, like, the idea of ninjas, too, and, like, being stealthy and sneaking in places and stuff, Mm -hmm. and this was just a way to alert people of the fact that someone was coming and also where they were coming from. Such a simple concept.
1: I know, and I love... (laughs) I like that we actually get to see Mariko trying to cross the nightingale floors and she's like Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how she can get across them without making any noise and she like, it's like how you get across ice, like she spread herself out really wide and kind of like maneuvered across them that way to like spread out her weight.
0: Yeah, I think we need to go on a field trip to Japan, visit some castles and see if we can cross them, cross the hallway silently. What do you think?
1: I think that's great. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. I thought that was just such a cool concept too because it's like it's just so sneaky like they look like any other floor and then when you walk on them they make like actually such a loud noise yeah and then there's a five-year-old with a katana who's waiting for you on the other side
0: yeah because even guards you know if you snuck up on guards or whatever you could kill them like you can't really do much about a floor like it's gonna give you away
1: right exactly oh it's so cool yeah, I was. Yeah. I started reaching that, too, and then I started getting to, into, like, how to protect your home against home invasion, and, I, and then I had to stop. <laughs> uh, that's funny.
0: And then one of the other things I looked up, I forget who it was who referenced it, but they were talking about the two brothers, the emperor and his bastard brother, and they referred to them as the ox and the rat, and oh, I started yeah. looking into, like, different Zodiac things. So mm. the Japanese Zodiac is strongly related to the Chinese zodiac um, except the Chinese zodiac has a pig as the 12th animal and the Japanese zodiac has a boar as the 12th animal. Oh gotcha. Um, And I looked into this is the origin of the Chinese zodiac so I know we're in Japan and I looked at the Chinese zodiac. (laughs) I I decided they're close enough and this is kind of an interesting story so I'm (laughs) going to share it. You know this is uh, Katie's great research. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the so both zodiacs have it's like a cycle of 12 years and each year is represented by one of the 12 animals mm-hmm. so do you know what what
1: year you were born in you know what's funny yeah. is i'm i'm the ox and my sister is a rat
0: oh that is funny yeah i think i'm a horse and my sister's a monkey if i remember oh
1: monkeys but, are supposed to be um cunning right yeah that's my sister no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> so wait you're the horse so tell me tell me what that means and then i'll look what i the, actually I'll look up what the ox means
0: I actually didn't look into the specific animals a lot, but I have a story for how these 12 animals were picked. Oh, okay. So, and I can then look up the horse after that. You can I'll look, look it up, it. up so now. Will I tell you this? Okay. Um, so basically, there's a bunch of different variations of the myth, but the one that I read a lot of versions of was that there was this emperor who ruled all the gods within Chinese mythology and he hosted a race and mm. whoever finished the race was going to become part of the calendar. In the race, you had to cross a river. So this is how all the animals who made it crossed the river. Okay. So back in the day, the cat and the rat were best friends. Aww. And they decided, you know, they were came up with a plan because they aren't great swimmers of how they were going to get across the river. And they decided to ride on the ox across the river because they knew he was used to crossing rivers and he was large and in charge and would likely be able to finish first. So. Okay. At the beginning of the race, they both got on top of the ox, and the ox being the his ox himself, which was kind of oblivious to them being there. But <laughs> as they were going across, um, something happened, and the cat ended up flying off and oh, into no. the river. There's, you know, maybe the rat pushed him, maybe he didn't. I also read once that the rat didn't wake the cat up in time. So basically, <laughs> whatever the reason is, the cat didn't cross the river with them, and caused a lot of discord between the rat and the cat so the cat is not in the zodiac it's why the cat hates the water now and why the cat and the rat are enemies don't get along okay but but the rat managed to cross it with the ox and as the ox approached the finish line he jumped off his back and crossed it first so actually the rat is like the number one animal and the ox is the second animal but he was really mellow and didn't cause a big fuss about how he really did all the work and the rat was like pretty cunning and smart Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then the next animal to come through was the tiger. So he swam across the river. He's very strong, but he, you know, has a heavy coat and the water kind of weighed him down. So he's the third animal to come across. Okay. So we've got a rat, an ox, and a tiger. There's a dragon in there somewhere. The rabbit. The rabbit. Yeah, the dragon still hasn't shown up, which is kind of surprising.
1: Yeah, he can just fly over the river. (laughs)
0: so the rabbit was a little bit behind the tiger and he got across the river by jumping from rock to rock but right before the end he like got really nervous and fell into the water and got onto a log (laughs) and almost didn't cross in time but a strong wind helped him cross so he made it across and he was the fourth one there and then the next one was the dragon so he flew over the river and like was all majestic and Amazing and whatnot. And the emperor was like, Hey, why didn't you come in first? You just flew here. Like, what's going on? So the dragon told him about how on his way over to the race, he saw a bunch of villagers that were in trouble and Aww. there was a fire in their crops. So he couldn't just fly over them and win the race. He had to stop and put out the flames and everything. And then Aww. on the way, he also saw the rabbit on the log stuck in the middle of the river and he pushed him across with his breath oh so, so the
1: dragon's a helpful creature i love that yeah the
0: dragon was really yeah a good guy um so but he ended up what was it fifth now i think we're on mm-hmm. so then the next one to come across was the horse so <laughs> this I is you like, there's much of interest about the horse except right before the horse actually he got out of the river and right before he crossed the finish line a snake surged forth From the grass and the horse got panicked and took a step back and the snake actually crossed before him. So snake and then horse. And even though the emperor saw that, he thought that the snake was clever. So he let, let it fly. This is really every
1: man for himself kind of race.
0: I know. (laughs) And then, so the last three are the monkey, the rooster, and the sheep. And they all kind of banded together to cross the river. So they had made, like, a little raft, and they were using branches to pedal themselves across. And... A lot of times the six would get stuck or they'd, like, get stuck in a riverbed or whatever. But all three of them were working as a team and coming across. But they let the sheep go first because the sheep was the one who, like, comforted them through the whole trip and made sure they all, like, stayed on the same team. Okay. So they said, you know, if the sheep hadn't been here to help us, we wouldn't have made it across.
1: That's nice. And then it was
0: the monkey. So monkey's ninth and rooster's tenth. And then eleventh is the dog. They said he was a good swimmer, but he had not bathed for some time. So he like overindulged in his time in the river because it had been a while. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to say he just kept getting distracted. Like he kept seeing fun things and like went off chasing them.
0: <laughs> that would also make sense knowing my dog. But mm-hmm, mine too. Yeah. I guess they just, it was the sun had come up in the day and it was a warm river and Aww. he just was enjoying taking a bath for the Lazy first time. Lazy little in a puppy. While. Yeah. Um and then the twelfth animal is the pig. So the pig came through waddling through the finish line and <laughs> it was surprisingly fast. And the emperor was like, Wow, you're actually pretty fast. Like how did you fall so far behind? And he said, Sorry, I was hungry and I couldn't resist stooping to gobble something up. Mm. And then I felt sleepy. So, <laughs> so he took it nap. Took a nap. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of reminds me of the tortoise and the hare kind of piece right there, but also kind of what you were saying about the dog. So he was the one who got distracted. So that's our 12th animal was the pig. Oh my goodness. And I thought it was kind of a funny, cute story about the different animals. That's adorable. And like I said, that was the Chinese story, but the Japanese and Chinese zodiac are closely related. Mm -hmm. Although um, I think the Japanese uses the lunar or the solar calendar and the Chinese uses a lunar calendar, but still 12 animals and, and whatnot so
1: well i found um what what the horse represents and what the ox represents
0: okay tell us
1: so you're the horse the horse represents freedom oh and yeah they do a little bit about the story you just told they said that their personality um and characteristics are the horses are full of energy although sometimes a little too much um they're both (laughs) studious and athletic and they are i'm not
0: athletic at all i might be the wrong one. <laughs> you're not a pro golfer after your surgery <laughs> that didn't happen oh well I, i'm still a week or two away from that okay. so i'm about to be golf ready yeah
1: um they also are strong believers of chasing after their dreams and um you're not motivated by wealth or fame you're motivated by happiness that's very true and for me you expect others to kind of meet you at your own speed like you expect people to be as energetic as you are and then you get confused sometimes when they aren't
0: (laughs) okay some of this is very me not the athletic part but a lot of the rest of it is resonating oh they also said
1: you have they have short tempers and become angry quickly but once it's over they also forget quickly
0: I do not do that I was gonna say I've
1: never seen you I've never seen you get angry ever
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to be over the top angry about it (laughs)
1: um okay so the ox people born in the year of the ox are persistent simple honest and straightforward they are good leaders and they are strongly devoted to their work they think before they act and it's all good they're rather conservative and they <laughs> they lack wit when speaking <laughs> that's really funny and then they um are very stubborn so their their strengths are their they're industrious, patient, level he- level-headed. I really don't have any wit today when I'm speaking. And but they also can be obstinate, inarticulate, <laughs> and um a little distant.
0: Wait, what was the last part? In, you say? Inarticulate. <laughs> I'm sure some Not of our true. listeners would agree. That's fun though. It's so funny. It's uh- I mean, like same with any of the zodiac or personality traits. I feel like you can listen to any of them and be like, "Oh, that could be me." Or you know, like eighty percent of that's true. But I love, I still love reading. About I love them, them too. And... I think
1: they're so fun. But that's funny that my sister and I are both the ox and the rat, like Roku and Raiden. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what your fate looks like by the time we finish. Oh, the-
1: that means I'm the strong silent one, <laughs> <laughs> which is not true. No
0: wonder at all. you. I, no wonder you want him to want to get to know him more I do I want
1: him him to be a better person than I think he is
0: so far (laughs) you know who else I'm still curious about that Hmm. we haven't seen much in this book Ren because oh I know you know I felt like there's got to be more to his story for why he's even in this group of people and why he's like so angry and stuff and I'm hoping that we get more of his background at some point too
1: I agree and I also want to learn more about Asano Naganori's son who formerly was ramaru
0: because Mm
1: -hmm. this was interesting so we learned this and it was again very briefly mentioned but he confesses when we're in his chapter that he um has secretly been in love with okami the entire time oh yeah because i totally like did not see that at all because we don't know ramaru hardly at all he's like hardly in this book and then when we finally get a chapter of him it's he's confessing that he was in love with okami so i'm i'm just like Ah, I'm curious about what's going to happen with that because it feels like Okami and Mariko are already, like, pretty established in the book. Like, we we want them to be together. Like, they want to be together. And it just feels kind of bad that now there's this other character who kind of has this unrequited love going on, and it makes me feel bad for him.
0: I still have, like, so many questions about their background. Like, I know their fathers and the betrayal and the sense of loyalty they feel for each other and like a need to right that wrong and stuff. But mm-hmm. it does kind of add another layer to their friendship and everything. And I'm I, I don't I just I wanna know more about all of these characters. I like them all a lot, but I don't feel like I know very many of them super well.
1: I agree. I agree. And even like Yoshi, we only got a little bit of a glimpse of him and then he was killed. And so no, I am hoping that doesn't I'm not happen on Run because I do
0: want to know his history and now we met his nephew I like his nephew too oh
1: yeah oh my gosh I forgot about his nephew
0: or the other guy the one um like the metalsmith guy I forget his name right now but uh, I'm liking him more and more too the little bit we've seen of him
1: oh yes 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 because we just met him like in the last couple
0: chapters yep
1: I uh, yeah I hope we learn more because so far it's just been not enough for me at least
0: I know, and we only have half a book, left, a which book. is exciting, but also kind of crazy. Ugh.
1: Okay, so in this and last... as far as I
0: know, there are no short stories currently for. There this are. There always. are
1: actually. I read them. There
0: are. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh wait, are those the ones I sent you like a few months ago? Yeah. And then forgot about. Okay. Yeah. Now that I say that, I remember. I did. I bought them like months ago.
1: Yeah, yeah I read them, and they're not. I mean, they don't reveal anything. So they're all short stories that or to be read after you finish the first one. So one is just called Okami and one is called Yumi. But they do not offer much in the way of insight or anything, really. I mean, they were fun to read, but I didn't learn anything
0: from them. Nothing revealing about what's happening. Okay. Well, I'll have to check them out before our next episode, just just so I can double-check your assessment. Okay,
1: so in the next – Oh, so the last – Next week's our last episode for this
0: I know. This book. These duologies go fast.
1: I know. We have to think of a fan name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, something about the Black Clan.
0: I'm really curious to see who the bad guy was. I feel like that could shape our name.
1: Yeah, that's true. I also can't help thinking of that song from Mulan every time they talk about the um, – they have, like, that saying. It's like the – is it the Takeda slogan where where it's, like, be as swift as the wind and as silent as the forest? As fierce as a fire. Every time I read that in my mind, I'm like,
0: "Be a man." I, like, I know. No, I agree. it's some, it's just different uh, enough. It's so like, similar. Wait, did they mess it up?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's swift as the raging fire. Please, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, swift is as the a coursing fire. river. You're swift like
0: a fire. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny. But yeah. Well, I I need a, i need to think about a name, and I need to think of my favorite scene. We need think of how I'd rate it. All kinds of stuff we still have to do,
1: and we still just have to figure out so much. We have to figure out who the bad guy is,
0: where, how this magic works,
1: <laughs> what's Kanako up to, who's the fox for real, <laughs> will they fall in love, will they, will they get married? It's
0: and then the other question is because I sort of feel like we need to, like, we want the good guys to beat the emperor and like they're the bad guys, but do we really want to overturn the whole government? Like, who do we want to be in power? Okay. Here is who I am going to be in power.
1: I want Okami okay. to be in, in power as the shogun, like he, his father okay, before him. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's basically
0: like chief of war or what, whatever, right? Or uh, what's it called? It's like, it's like the military head of the leader. military. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: that'd be good because that's kind of like reinstating. I don't his think position. he
0: wants that. Oh, what
1: do you think he wants?
0: Well, I mean, I just you know he didn't even want to be leader of the Black Clan officially. I feel like he just wants to be left in peace with Mariko off in the forest. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I know, I don't either, but that's what I think he wants.
1: Okay, here's what I want to have happen. <laughs> I would like Mariko and Raiden to get married. Hear me out. Okay. And then she manages to control him because he's strong and not that smart. <laughs> and then he's, a, she... he's a typical ox. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I'm just and then
1: she... Um becomes like the emperor in practice so she's like the emperor so we we
0: overturn the rightful emperor (laughs) and put him in charge but she really is manipulating him
1: i guess but then how but then she can't be with okami i don't know maybe we just need to take raiden and roku out of the picture
0: i think we need to use magic and i don't know we need everyone
1: gone except (laughs) (laughs) mariko yumi ramaru
0: especially with half a book left like i am kind of curious how we get people like i wonder if they just i don't know because as bad as this emperor is i don't think he's a good guy but he also hasn't done any of the stuff that his dad did i mean you know like like i wonder if we can bring around the kids somehow without upsetting who's in power i feel like the fox lady or whoever needs to die for sure
1: and same with the empress i do not like her
0: i don't like her either i don't really get her i don't I mean, I am I feel like she's, there's more to her than we, I don't know, I just we, don't trust All right, her.
1: how about we just don't have an emperor, we just have Mariko as the empress, Okami's the shogun, Yumi is the leader of the Black Clan, and Ramuru, I don't know what to do with Ramuru yet, but I'll think of something really good because he deserves it.
0: Let's make Yumi the empress. I feel like she'd okay. be a good empress.
1: Oh, yeah, um. maybe Mariko can be leader of the Black Clan then. Oh, oh, Yeah. She and Okami can be leader of the Black Clan, and they can just go off and live in the forest, like you said. And then Yumi can be Empress, and... Uh, her brother can be Shogun. her And Ramru can be Shogun. Yeah. Yeah!
0: But, okay. I like that plan. Do we even need a Black Clan anymore if we have a good government? Well, they can just
1: be, like, the Robin Hood figures who, like, they change around their reputation, and they keep helping the poor people, and... Stealing from the, the, the... Or they have
0: an official relationship with the government, but do the same stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be, like, sanctioned yeah. by the government to... Um... <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There's, We might need to rethink this through a little bit more. Hopefully, Renee has thought it through and we'll be happy with the ending.
1: I think this is a good start, though.
0: <laughs> Wait, weren't you saying she writes her books really fast?
1: Yeah, she said four to six months it takes her to write a book. That's awesome.
0: It's amazing. Especially for how much is going on. I'm, like, impressed that you can have that many. Well, I guess we'll see how they wrap up. Maybe I'll be like, wait, what? It just ended. You don't, don't
1: understand what? anything still. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, hopefully that's not a, not the case. No.
0: I'm, I, I'm feeling good about it. I feel like she's put a lot of thought into it.
1: I've enjoyed this book a lot so far, too. I've enjoyed, like, being in Feudal Japan. I've enjoyed all the research we've done.
0: Yeah, I want to read more in this time period. And Me, too. Place. Like, I, I feel like it's a really interesting <laughs> thing that I know very little about still,
1: you know? I was talking to Chad, and I was like, I really want to watch a movie about samurai. And he was like, oh, there's this really great movie called The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. And I was just like, I hate you. <laughs> I hate that that's the <laughs> only movie that I know about samurai that I'm probably still going to watch. it <laughs> Or Mulan, maybe I'll I watch I feel Mulan. like
0: with everything I know about samurai, I don't actually want to watch a movie about samurai. I don't need to see that. I've already heard you talk about it. And I didn't even talk about the worst parts. I just, I might just watch Mulan again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely will after that. <laughs>
0: okay, so do you
1: have a joke for me this week?
0: I do. Mm-hmm. I have, well, I actually, I found this article called 36 Jokes About Ninjas. So I'm oh, going to give you a few of them. Yes. Not 36. I'll just give you a couple of the okay. good ones. So, if a ninja kills in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Yes. No, it makes a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, No. This is this is the line these ninja jokes are doing. That's so I'm terrible. Thinking. Okay, what's a ninja's favorite book?
1: Mm, I don't know.
0: The one you're currently distracted by.
1: Oh, that's tricky. I don't get it. It's just funny. <laughs> there's
0: like all these ninja jokes because he's going to kill you. So he's glad that you're distracted by the book.
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> How many throwing stars does a ninja have on him? I don't know. None. They're all on you. Oh, my God. Basically, it's just a bunch of jokes like this that are all, like, like, ninjas are killing you. (laughs) It's dark,
1: and you don't even know it.
0: And I, like, I really thought there'd be, like, some funny ones, but they're all, like, along these lines. (laughs) All right, one more. How many ninjas do you need for a band? For a band?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Just one. A ninja can easily kill a whole band on its own.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So oh, those are good. You definitely want to install some nightingale floors to help with the ninjas is my takeaway oh, from my research. They can
1: absolutely we. find their way around a nightingale floor. I'm certain of it.
0: I know. <laughs> if Mariko can, then the ninjas then can. Then a ninja but... can. Uh,
1: oh, yeah. that was okay. great. Okay. Do you want to tell people how to get in touch?
0: Yeah. I mean, our favorite is if you email us or Instagram us at mnktalkya at gmail.com or mnktalkya on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. Is that all the places we're at? We don't, we never learned how to Twitter.
1: (laughs) We don't, we don't tweet. Sorry. But if you send us an email, we will absolutely write back and it makes our day. And if you want to go and reference you. Yeah. Oh, we totally will. And if you go on iTunes and you want to give us a rating, a nice rating, we'd really appreciate it.
0: Or you can download us on our website. Also MNKtalkway.com. Okay. Let's finish the rest of this book. Yep, and pick a fan name and solve find a rating. All the problems in the world and Just learn all about basic, the magic. Ah, oh, easy,
1: no problem. I feel really great about this.
0: <laughs> okay, bye, bookworms. Go
1: get a library card.